0: windows and doors of Wisconsin's energy efficient windows keep the cold outside where it belongs lowering energy bills get zero percent interest up to the year 2029 if you book by January 31st visit palawi.com. certain restrictions apply live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue it's the Jeff Wagner Show come join the conversation on the old national bank talk and text line old national bank Get old now. Here's WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Lots of ground to cover on today's program. Let us get right to it. I want to talk about the case of Tyree Nichols. And this is uh, the story that's all over the national news today. For those of you who haven't been paying attention, the story comes out of Memphis, Tennessee. Three weeks ago tomorrow, January 7th, Tyree Nichols, who is a black man, um, is on his way home after taking photos of a sunset at a local park. So that's apparently what he was doing. He is pulled over within about 100 yards of of his home for alleged reckless driving. At that point, he um, starts to flee on foot. From the police, the officers catch up with him and try to arrest him. By all accounts, in the process of trying to arrest him, he is savagely beaten by five police officers. Now, to the extent it's relevant, all five police officers are black. He is black as well. So he is beaten severely. And then what happens is he's taken to a hospital, he's listed in critical condition, and three days later he dies. And the coroner's report says that this is as a result of injuries he sustained in the beating. Five Memphis police officers have now been charged. Yesterday charges were issued. Now this this is fast tracked. This has only happened a couple weeks ago. Five Memphis police officers have been charged with second degree murder for this death. And apparently there are various videos of this. There's police body cameras, things, etc. Everyone who has seen them thus far has commented that they are very, very troubling. Now, I, I haven't seen them. The general public hasn't seen them. But apparently, if you see these, it, it's you, you look and you go, my gosh, what, what was happened?" And the word I see described on multiple occasions is savagely beaten by five police officers. All right. So what's happening today is sometimes now these five police officers have been fired and they have been charged with second-degree murder. They've all made court appearances, and various bails have been set. I think two or three of them have bailed out already. What's going to happen sometime this evening, after 6 o'clock Central Time, is the authorities have said they are going to release the various body camera reports and the video footage they have. They say they've got like an hour of footage on this, and I, I assume that that means that they've got you know different Different body cameras and things like that, but they're they're going to release the footage sometime this evening, and I, I again I haven't seen it, but from all indications it's it's not going to be a pretty thing. The Memphis authorities, the Memphis schools, they're already canceling all events. I, I'm looking. The Memphis Shelby County Schools are canceling all after school activities. All athletic events are being canceled here. The family's wellness centers are closing early. University of Tennessee Health Science Center announced that it's going to close at 3 o'clock. All these events have been canceled, and there's a question about whether they're going to have events tomorrow. Why is this the case? Well, it's because they are concerned that there is going to be unrest. Once this video is released, I think it is inevitable that you're going to have people take to the streets and protest. However, they are concerned that these protests might get out of control. Now, let's back up for a second. Earlier this week, we talked about what happened in Atlanta over the weekend, and Atlanta has been the hotbed of activism, for the last several months, Atlanta is building a new police complex um, in, in a portion of town, and there's a number of, of protesters, including lots of out-of-town, out-of-Atlanta protesters from Antifa who have come in, and they've occupied a portion of these woods where the center is going to be, and they've been in a running battles with police officers. A week or so ago, one of them pulled a gun on police officers they shot him last weekend you will recall that there was unrest in atlanta and it ended up that at least a half dozen people who were arrested all of whom were essentially rich kids who were had become radicalized and had come to atlanta to create problems so there is that we've, we've seen that happened um, in memphis who knows exactly what is going to happen. But if the videotape is as quote unquote bad as people are, you know, believe it is, I think there's a lot of concern that there is going to be, again, widespread unrest. And by the way, not just in Memphis, but also in other large cities where just like after the George Floyd death, that death, the the thing wasn't, the protests and stuff and the violence that occurred and erupted as a result of the protests or as part of the protests that that wasn't limited to Minneapolis. It was in Minneapolis, but it was all over as well. So there's a very, very real concern about what is going to happen in many large cities in general, but particularly in Memphis over the weekend. All right, this is the starting point of my conversation. If, if we look back on the riots that happened in Kenosha a couple years ago, if you remember that, one of, one of the reasons it got out of control was that I think authorities were simply outnumbered. I believe Governor Evers was slow to respond to this. Um, you did not have a sufficient police presence to deal with this, and as a result, you had a couple nights where the the rioters slash protesters slash whatever outnumbered the police, put the police in a defensive position, and that's why you had the looting and burning and things like that. Um, the question becomes, do you learn from that? So here's where I want to start the conversation, and our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Now, you in situations like this, you don't want to overreact. But at the same time, you do not want to underreact. The governor of Tennessee is a second term Republican named Bill Lee, the mayor of uh, the mayor of Memphis. His last name is Strickland. Okay, so my question is, if you if you're the governor of Tennessee, if you're the mayor of Memphis, if you know, what is presumably in this tape that is going to be released, you understand, again, how bad it is going to look. From a law enforcement perspective, what do you do? Do you call out the National Guard? Do you have a huge police presence which is massed, ready to take to the streets, or do you just simply hope for the best? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. And if you're the mayors of other cities or the governors of some other states, what should you be doing knowing what's going to be released 6 o'clock or later tonight? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, 855 which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Now, I've got a couple of people who are saying, well, Jeff, there's this rush to judgment and whatever happened to innocent proven guilty with regard to the police. That, that, that's fine for a court of law. Here, here's, for example, look at the New York Times story. The director of the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation which would be like the the guy that runs the state of Wisconsin Division of Criminal Investigation, who has seen the the footage that they're going to release this evening. Here's how he describes it. He says, in a word, it's absolutely appalling. I'm shocked. I'm sickened by what I saw and what we learned through our investigation. Let me be clear. What happened here does not reflect proper policing. This was wrong. This was criminal. Now, you might say that that's a rush to, rush to judgment. All I'm saying is when, when you've got the head of the State Division of Investigation who's saying that, that tells me that the video that's going to be released is going to be very bad and is not going to reflect well on these five police officers. So if you're the governor, if you're the mayor, what do you end up doing? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. that's the old National Bank talk and text line. Because on the one hand, you, you don't want to... You don't want to inflame stuff. You, you have a right. There's a right to peaceful protest and all that sort of stuff. And, and you don't want to have a, a police presence that agitates and enhances the situation. At the same time, especially you, you're going to have protest about this. We know from Atlanta last week that there's outside agitators like the Antifa folks who are just kind of in the burn it down thing who have no problem traveling from city to city looking to cause trouble. It also seems to me if you're the governor, if you're the mayor, you have to understand that that is a potential dynamic. So you have to be ready in the event the protests turn violent, don't you? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: How are
1: you? Good. What do you think?
2: I think they should absolutely err on the side of caution. And what that means is to have a uh, strong police presence. The National Guard on call. Um, we saw what happened in Kenosha. We saw what happened in Atlanta. 2020, you don't want a repeat of that. You want to be prepared. And I think they should err on the side of caution.
1: Yeah, Mike, thanks for the call. I, I guess I, I I agree. It's a tricky sort of situation. But and you you hope for the best and you know all the, the the family members of the man that was killed everybody's out there and they're all saying the right things and and I appreciate that but we've seen what happens in these over the last couple of years where you have even if it is a small group of people who are not part of the legitimate protest they're there to destroy stuff they're there to try to agitate. They're there to burn down communities. And, and Atlanta is a classic example of that last week, like I say, where the people they arrest are all the, these out of state, you know, Antifa folks who poured in there and were creating at least some of the problems. So I think it would be short sighted and naive if you weren't. If you didn't have people on call, if you didn't say, "Okay, look, we're not going to try to we're we're not going to try to make this situation worse," but we have seen where this is going to happen, and and we need to be ready to deal with this. And I think that that would be good advice for other cities as well. And some of the ones that are being thrown out there, Washington D.C., the governor of Atlanta, as a matter of the governor of Atlanta, the governor of Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp, he's apparently called up the National Guard because. I think their concern is, okay, this thing that happened in Memphis, is that going to be a spark that ignites another round of, of protests in Atlanta, and how are they going to deal with it? But to me, that, that's the only thing that, that makes sense. eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, um Jeff, I, I think you, you need to put a curfew into effect Um, No, there's no question about it. Jeff, I think you need to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Jeff, I think it's best to overreact and demonstrate that only peaceful protesting will be allowed. Not that I think protesting will do anything at this point. Jeff, you have to be ready for violence. If they aren't needed, at least they are prepared. Um, You know, a number of people are... Are, are, are making comments based on the, the different races of people involved. In, in this particular situation, again, it's it's five black police officers and the victim in, in this particular case is, is black as well. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that adds a different layer to her. At least it, it takes away the, okay, this isn't Rodney King where you have white police officers, you know, beating a black man. But I don't think, I think in this case, what you're going to see is to the extent there's protest, it, it, it goes it's, it's going to go beyond the, the race issue. Jeff, you hope for cold, rainy weather in Memphis. Jeff, I think it's better to activate the National Guard and have uh, people on standby. Our activist communities have already proven the tendencies they have towards violence. There is no need to take Chances, um, yeah, I think that's it. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Hope itself is not a strategy, Jeff. I think you need to set a curfew now. I don't disagree with that at all. A um, number of people are asking an interesting question: Why would you release? Why would you release it at night? Well, I, I think the idea behind this is you release it on on Friday evening with the hope that people aren't don't have time to mobilize right away tonight you release it friday morning and you give people time to you know assemble and come in and protest and i think the hope is by releasing it in the evening you might you you might and i say might you might decrease the amount of people who come out and protest on the friday evening it's it's one of the reasons why you know historically when Politicians when the White House Republican White House, Democrat, White House, when they have bad news, they always do these Friday news dumps it 's always Friday afternoon because they 're hoping a lot of people aren 't paying attention, and Saturday papers are the slowest red papers, and people are off they 've got their you know weekend plans so whenever you have bad news, you, you release it. Late Friday afternoon, or in this case, early Friday evening, because of all the attention this matter has gotten, I'm not sure that that strategy is going to make any difference. But if if I'm the governor of Tennessee, I'm on the horn with the mayor of Memphis saying, look, you know, we what do we need to do? We want to be prepared to make sure that there if there are protests and you know there's going to be protests and people take to the streets. What can we do to make sure that this doesn't turn into a full-fledged riot? And I think you know it would just be foolish if there aren't, whether it's the National Guard or whatever, at least on hold, ready to get there quickly. There is an aspect, and since as as we're talking about this case in Memphis, there there is an aspect of the story. That I think has, has ramifications for all across the, the country. The five police officers, ex police officers, who've now been charged with second degree murder in the the beating of the man in, in Memphis, they were all part of this group of a, a, a unit in the police department that was called the Scorpion Unit. Okay, and that's just that's with the name of. The group was. It was called, it stands for, it's an acronym, it stands for Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. It was created in the fall of 2021, so a year and a half ago, in what the Memphis Police Department said it is high crime areas. So the purpose of this unit was to go into high crime areas flood the high crime areas with police officers who were then and, and it it's sort of uh, what I talk about a lot it, it's the broken windows theory of, of policing it's like we've got we've got these problems with violence so what we're going to do is we're going to identify high crime areas in the city of memphis and we are going to flood them with police officers and we're we're going to we're going to say that the little stuff matters. We talk about that so in the program all the time. You know, if you stop the little stuff, it, it doesn't turn into big stuff. Now, in this particular situation, like I say, this whole thing started with a, a stop for reckless driving. And you know, maybe maybe when the <clears throat> when the video is released tonight, you know, people will be able to see was the guy really driving recklessly? You know, what ended up happening? So and I take no position on that, but this. This is a strategy which urban police departments all over the country are are employing where you have, you know, police officers, some in marked cars, some in unmarked cars who are into the high crime areas and who are out there and they are being aggressive in enforcing the law. Now, in this case... I think it's pretty clear from at least all the commentary and the charges that have been issued, and let's assume for the sake of argument that in this particular case the charges that have been issued have been correct, but from this it's very, very clear that you have some police officers who just like in the George Floyd case got out of control, right? I think that's a fair statement to say. But here, here's the question. Like, for example, one of the things the family of the man who was killed is demanding is they want this so-called scorpion unit disbanded. And the mayor is saying, okay, we're, we're going to take a look at this. And this is what a number of activists across the country are saying. We want the, these police units that are tart, whether you call them the gang squad or, you know, high impact or or whatever name you want to give them. We want these squads disbanded because we think it leads to, well, rogue police officers. It leads to over policing in what turns out to be predominantly minority communities. Almost always, you know, we, we want the cops to dial it back. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Okay, my question is, what do you do? Is the fact that, for the sake of argument, work with me here, for the sake of argument, that you might have a situation where you have a handful of police officers who behave badly, behave in a criminal fashion, etc., is that a justification for just completely scrapping the strategy? Or... Is it just perhaps an argument saying, hey, we need better training or better screening of the police officers? Do we do we really want to back away from a broken windows form of enforcement? Do we really want to back away from putting cops in these high crime areas? in an effort to try to, number one, arrest bad guys, and, and number two, make the streets safer. And is a situation like this, where you have some c- cops who get out of control, is that a justification for just throwing everything out and saying, okay, you know, we're, we're going to go back to where we were? 855- 616-1620, that is the old National Bank talk and text line. If these police officers behaved in an illegal fashion, like, in, like charged, well, they deserve to be prosecuted, they deserve to be punished, accordingly. But that doesn't mean that because you had a handful of police officers that went rogue, I don't think that means you scrap the strategy. I think if we're going to ever get a handle on crime, particularly in high crime areas, part of the answer is that you have to have a huge police presence. The problem here, at least in my opinion, wasn't that you had a police presence, it you had, that you arguably had police officers that went rogue. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. See, it's really kind of interesting because Memphis Memphis had this out-of-control You know, crime problems. So they, in an effort to try to attract, you know, really go after the crime, they created this thing that they called the, the Scorpion Unit. Primary focus would be violent crime reduction and saturation of hot spot areas throughout the city. Some texter asked, how many people are on there? Um, At least in the beginning, I don't know how many people are currently on the Scorpion unit. When they first announced it in November of 2021, 40 officers comprising four teams. The mayor of Memphis promoted this unit. I mean, he was talking about this in January of 22, noting that at a time, first three months, it had made a total of 566 arrests. 390 of which were felonies. He said the unit had seized more than $103,000, 270 vehicles, and 253 weapons. So this is, I mean, this is the, it's broken windows. It's the zero tolerance. We're going into the high crime areas in Memphis, and we're going to make arrests. We're going to kick butt. Now, I guess the question becomes, because you had, let's assume, again, I understand, innocent until proven guilty and all that stuff, but let's assume that this is an example of Overzealous policing, rogue cops, whatever phrase you want to use. Is this a justification for throwing the strategy out? Because that's now what a number of activists are suggesting. Oh, this is a problem. We've got to get rid of it. Let's talk with Vincent in Lannan. Vincent, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Jeff. No long, long time, no hear from, so.
1: Glad, glad <laughs> to have you. you. But, but it, <laughs>
2: But anyway, no, no. the problem is not the strategy or the plan that, the, that they put together to try to uh, uh, create this particular uh, uh, force that's out there to help in the communities. The fact is it's about the police officers. It, you know, it's, all, it's about those individuals who, who, who basically uh, afforded the, the idea of, of what, what, it, what community policing is, is supposed to be like. The fact is, it's not supposed to be out there trying to do the kind of things that they did. The fact is, and, and and if communities like Milwaukee or Memphis or or even in St. Louis, you you want to have a police presence, you want to have a police presence, or you don't want to have a police presence, yeah. and so and so that that that's that's the. The the uh, uh, issue that people have to have to uh, have to have to deal with, but no, it's not the strategy. It's not the plan that they that the uh, that the mayor and the governor put together. It's the individual police officers who who basically uh, went out there and, yeah. and and did and did wrong.
1: Yeah, Vincent, thanks for calling. I I agree with you. I, I mean, look, I, the strategy. What we've seen the, the strategy of, of hands off of let's let's let the high crime areas essentially have high crime areas that makes them unlivable for the community what why hate stories like this because just like I hated the George floyd story first of all I mean it's a tragedy when anybody who gets arrested you know their, their life is taken but but secondly the fact that you have either bad cops or or a, a small percentage of good cops who just lose control under you know, under whatever circumstances that is, that, that then allows the people who don't like the police. that allows the people who will say, okay, let's just, let's just turn the, the cities over to the communities and stuff and we'll you know we, we don't want a law enforcement presence. That then gives them ammunition for this sort of uh, stuff. To me, the problem is not the strategy. Now if you want to say, and you want to say, all right, you know, what what is the supervision? If we have these forty members of this Scorpion Gang unit, you know, what what is the supervision? Have, have we created Have we created an environment that promotes the, these rogue police activities? If that's what this end up being, that that that's fair. It says, okay, well, maybe we need more supervision or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, if you're going to get a hold of violent crime and you really seriously want guns off the street, you, you have to you have to do. Things like that. Um, Let's see, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think some people, um, you need to know that activists and their supporters will never... Be satisfied. Well, I, I think there is an element of that, Jeff. Absolutely, keep the special units. I have had police officers behave very rudely towards me. One accused me of evasively driving. I don't call, talk back. I follow instructions. Um, I, I think it's been unfair, but you know, nevertheless, I think you know that, that's something. And they go on to talk about how it should be necessary. I think there should be more of the so-called scorpion units all over the country in the highest crime areas available. Um, right. See, so that's I think that's the, the key that you have there. Jeff, the decision on whether or not to keep the Scorpion unit should be based on data and not one terrible incident. How long has the Scorpion unit been in place? Is it working? What is the data? Well, it's been in place for... On well, November of 2021, and uh, if if you're asking what the data is, I think everybody suggests that it, it is a cheat. If the goal is to arrest bad guys, to seize guns, to seize illegal cash, to seize cars, to get criminals off the street, to make felony arrests, then there's no question. It is a it's a it's a success. It is a success. And so I think that's absolutely right. You've got to look at that and say, "All right, what what are we gaining here in relation to this?" And I guess I, the reason I'm I'm talking about this is because you know this argument is going to be you know put in place in, in Milwaukee. Here's the truth: violent crime in the city of Milwaukee is out of control. We 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 understand that. I mean, you can't even argue uh, about that. So the question becomes. What do you do to deal with it? And, and my answer all along has been, you have to, whatever you call them, you have to saturate the areas, and crime can occur anywhere. I appreciate that. I understand it. But you have to saturate the high crime areas with police. And when you see crimes occurring, you have to make arrests. Now, just making the arrest isn't enough. Then you have to have the follow-up. You have to have the prosecution. You have to have the consequences from the court system. You have to have all that stuff working together. But just not dealing with the problem and saying, okay, we're just going to essentially be completely reactive. We're not going to have huge police presences That just doesn't make any sense at all. At least it seems that way to me. Jeff, anarchists always call for scrapping law enforcement altogether whenever a handful of bad apples screw up. Um, We need to acknowledge if there's bad behavior on the part of bad cops, it needs to be prosecuted. But equally, we need to commit to stricter law enforcement and the prosecution of criminals um yeah i think that. Uh, i mean i think that's that is the factor that's out there and i just i don't want to see whatever is on this tape tonight a couple of people say what actually provoked them and, and and we don't know yet we will after like six o'clock tonight if you're interested because you'll you'll be able to see all the videos all i can tell you is that everybody who's seen these videos are, are appalled pretty collectively about that and that's from people in law enforcement and it's from family members etc it's it seems pretty clear that this is going to be an example at least if you believe the charges of police officers who went rogue but the hand assuming that is true for the sake of argument that to me doesn't mean you throw out the strategy of again broken windows policing put the cops in the high crime areas train them. I mean, you obviously, you know, there's got to be some restraint and things like that, but train them, but have them making arrests. Otherwise, our communities become nothing except escape from New York, and nobody wants to have that happen. Hey, but as, as we wrap up this hour, two more quick crime-related stories. First of all, I, we talked about this yesterday. Yesterday morning, 79th and Capitol, 815 in the morning, apparently, three guys with high-powered rifles robbed an, an armored car that was delivering money to the North Shore State Bank branch. And I don't know if they're putting it in the ATM or whatever. Um, they're saying they got away with more than a hundred thousand dollars. This this is really, really a scary situation because this was obviously something that w- that was well planned. And was executed in a, a very efficient sort of fashion. It is a federal crime when you do something like this. So hopefully the FBI is flooding the area. But you've got three very, very dangerous people that were involved in this. You, you knock over an armored car with high powered weapons. You are a major league danger to the community. And the sooner, the sooner there are arrests made and the sooner these people are caught, the, the better it will be. But, uh, again, you know, 79th and Capital. apparently the bank's located at 76th and Capital. It, it's, it's like, man, you know, where in the city can you go to be safe? This is 8.15 in the morning, and I don't know. And speaking of that, for everybody who might think, oh, you know, we, we don't need a police presence, you know, we don't need enforcement, see this story, um, again, this from two mornings ago. Milwaukee River West neighborhood, and um, about thir- the thirteen hundred block of East Locust Street, um, Locust Court is uh, a low income. It's a housing complex that um, serves low income families, seniors, and disabled adults. All right, what happened is about seven o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, twenty one vehicles. Yeah, you heard me right. Twenty one vehicles were broken into. Apparently at least 21 cars had their windows smashed at Locust Court in River West. At least 21 cars. So here you have people who are you know, living in low-income housing who are seniors, disabled adults, who have been victimized by, uh, I assume it, it's a gang or whatever, of people who've gone in and just bashed out the windows. Now, I don't know if stuff was stolen from the cars or whether this was just, let's go on a rampage and, and bust out windows and things of the like. But these are things that, again, make communities completely and totally unlivable. The story in the Journal Sentinel says that um, the uh, that Locust Court has a 24-7 public safety team. Well, I, I don't... It takes a while to bust 21 windows, you know, or a whole bunch of people have to descend. I, I don't know where their 24-7 public safety team is, but that's not the real point. The real point is, how have we gotten to this stage where we have roving gangs of people or whatever who at 7 o'clock in the morning just feel entitled to go out and bust windows in at least 21 cars and wouldn't it be nice to have a good police presence that catches the thugs punks criminals that are doing this so they're not able to go back and do it again either there or somewhere else when we come back the final jeopardy answer is 50 years ago today 50 years ago today I'll give you the question right after the top of the hour news. Live from the Annex Wealth
0: Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's
1: Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So last evening, my wife Fran and I, we had dinner with my dear friend Candy, who is one of the ultimate insiders in Wisconsin Republican Party politics and, and national Republican Party politics, for that matter, had an interesting conversation, but a lot of it centers around, you know, Trump. And th- th- there's a new Marquette Law School poll that's come out in the last day or so. Would you prefer Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, this is Wisconsin, for the Republican nomination? All right, let's just kind of think about where th- this goes. Would you prefer, who do you like, Trump or DeSantis, it's not even close. 64% say DeSantis, 36% say Trump. I, I just, I think for, for people, I know, and I know people disagree with me, or at least some disagree with me on this, but I continue to stand by my prediction that... I don't even think Trump makes the primaries, and it, it's for a variety of factors. But say what you want, narcissist or whatever, he 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 can read political tea leaves and polls as well as anybody. And you're you're seeing these numbers. They're in Wisconsin. They're they're popping up in all sorts of other states as well. There's this huge Trump fatigue among. Uh, among Republican Party activists. There's a huge Trump fatigue among big dollar donors. And I, I think, you know, if you start to see these polls and if you're, if you're Donald Trump and it's July or August and you're saying, okay, do I really want to go back and get out on the campaign trail and do all that I, I need to do and I'm having trouble raising money and I'm looking at these polls where it seems like people are ready to move on, what do you do? Do you just kind of continue to fight that? Or alternatively, do you say, okay, maybe it's time to... Just, just step back, and of course, you can, you can play the victim card. You can say, well, I'm, I I really would have liked to have run, but this, I've got these different investigations that are still going on, or, you know, I've been undercut by the mainstream media or whatever. I just, or I've got health issues or whatever. I would not be surprised unless there is some dramatic turnaround where all of a sudden everybody now decides to rally around Trump. But all I'm telling you is the sense I get from many, many people is, are That they're just simply ready to move on. Uh, the Marquette Law School poll also asked the question, would you like to see Trump run for president in 2024? And, and that's just about 50-50. 52 say yes, 48% say no. So in other words, um, 48% of Republicans in Wisconsin are saying no. They don't even want to see Trump run. Why? Because they realize that Trump can't win. That That's just the reality it has nothing to do with whether he was a great president or a good president or a lousy president. It's just the reality is that if Donald Trump runs in 2024, he will lose to pretty much whoever the Democrats put up. He couldn't beat Joe Biden in 2020 and anybody who thinks that he's going to get more popular, you know, after everything that's going on. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, you're, you're smoking that stuff that continues to be illegal in Wisconsin. All right, my my producer during uh, my producer Charlie during the break was was playing the game. He wanted to be you know there for the final Jeopardy answer. The final Jeopardy answer is fifty years ago today, and Charlie actually had a couple good guesses. He said, "Was that uh, when did Richard Nixon resign?" Well. No I I remember that I was in high school that was August 8th of 1974 so that's we haven't hit that yet he then said well how about was it when the last uh, last combat troops left vietnam that was a very very good guess but that wouldn't be correct either the last combat troops left vietnam March 29th of 1973 now I don't, don't text me I know there continued to be a, a military presence in at the U.S. Embassy and stuff like that until the fall of Saigon. But the last combat troops officially left March 29th of 1973. No. The 50 years ago today, what happened 50 years ago today? With the signing of the Paris Peace Accords on January 27th, 1973, with the Peace Accords signed, and U.S. involvement in Vietnam over. Defense Secretary Melvin R. Laird. By the way, a little bit of history trivia. What did Melvin Laird do before he was the Secretary of Defense? Well, he was a Congressman from Wisconsin. He announced the end of the military draft. After 25 years uninterrupted of conscription, Laird came out and said, I wish to inform you that the armed forces henceforth will depend exclusively on volunteer soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. Now, um, for the 25 years preceding that, American men aged 19 to 25 were eligible to be drafted um, during the war. There were approximately 2 million men during that period of time, who would have, were ultimately, who would have been, would have been drafted. Now, I was, I mean, I, I remember, and, and at the end, what happened is, like during Vietnam, for people who don't know, you would have a, you would have a lottery number that was based on, on your birth date. And if you didn't have some other exclusion, like you were in college or, or whatever, um, you know, it, you know where you went depended on what what your birthday was, and I can remember like older brothers, very dear friends of mine. They'd have these lottery parties where everybody would get together and, and they'd watch like the drawings come out, and they'd see you know where they were in the draft order because there was a certain time, middle maybe mid to late sixties, where. You know, depending on where you were, you could pretty much tell whether there was a likelihood that you were going to get drafted or that you weren't going to get drafted. But we had conscription, and you had people, again, it was that mandatory military service. Now, there are a number of countries that continue to have mandatory military service. And I thought that might be an interesting point for starting conversation, just maybe one segment. Our number is 855 616 1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Here is my question Should we consider reinstating the draft? Would that be a good thing to say, look, as part of your obligation with citizenship? There is an element of you know you you need to do some national service and so yeah we're going to say that for people you know once you turn nineteen or whatever you know we are going to reinstitute the draft now maybe we don't need to draft you know everybody that's nineteen years old but you know we're we're going to require people to perform you know military service for a year or two so maybe people can appreciate know, a lot of the benefits and a lot of the values we have in this country would reinstating the draft be a good thing. And I guess the other question is, do you believe do you believe people today, young people today would accept that? Now, keep in mind. Part of the thing during Vietnam, of course, and the opposition to the draft was also tied into opposition to the Vietnam War. At this point in time, you know, we're, we're not in any shooting war anywhere. But would mandatory military service or would the reinstitution of the draft, would that be good for this country? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. We discuss in just a moment. <laughs> 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Here's the trivia question for your fish fry tonight. What happened fifty years ago today? Well, Defense Secretary Melvin Laird announced that the draft, the, the draft was was over. Um, no longer. And for years afterwards, you still had to sign up. I think you still have to sign up. But they but they don't do the, the draft a, at all. Um, two. What was my numbers here? A couple million people were drafted during the period of time that the draft was in a place. My question is, all right, should we consider reinstituting the draft? Would that be good for the country or bad for the country? A number of countries still have um, some form of mandatory military service, Israel being you know, one, um, uh, uh, Austria, for example – Austria has a rule, and it's men and women, that you have a choice. Um, once you turn 18, you have a choice of six months in the military or like nine months doing some form of, of public service. 855-616-1620. Let's uh, talk to Nick and Franklin. Nick, you're first. Good afternoon.
2: Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today?
1: Good. What do you think about bringing back the draft? Hey,
2: um. Yeah, so what I was
3: explaining is, you know, I, I was in the military and overseas, and a lot of countries, you know, they forced individuals, you know, to do two years of service, but you were given, like, a time block. So from the time you were 18 to, let's say, 26, you need to do two years. Now, if we do it, say, it's, you know, like a National Guard type where, you know, you go a couple weekends a year, but at least you understand, you know, basic weaponry, a basic, you know, so if you ever are needed, you at least have a yeah. basic understanding and uh you know that that's a yeah. lenient I think uh what is that in um Israel, every person, man and woman, right. has to serve, I think four years, so obviously right. in a different circumstance. But that would be my right. thought. Make it like the Thank- National Guard. Hey, you gotta go one
2: weekend.
1: Thanks a call. I appreciate it. you know as a matter of fact, I, I know a number of people I was just talking to I was with somebody the other night who, you know, was talking about uh, how they had their National Guard service at the time. Jeff, I'm a female Navy veteran who served from 1969 to 1977. To this day... To this day, I strongly believe all kids graduating from high school should do two years of military service. I think it's good for the country, and I think it's good for the individual. Um, Jeff, I see threads on various media outlets where people say they would never fight for this country. That and people who consider the government to be them, as in us and them, I don't see how it would work anymore. Well, that's an interesting question, and I guess that's... That becomes what what the fundamental question is, is as a as a price of living in this wonderful country, is it too much to expect that people would provide some form of of service? And whether it's uh, again, whether it's something like the the Peace Corps or, you know, a, a 2023 version of the Peace Corps, if you didn't want to go into military service, would something like that necessarily be bad? Scott in Milwaukee. Scott, you're on WTMJ.
3: Yeah, I'm there. Hey,
1: my thought
3: is kind of like, whoa, be careful what you wish for. Uh, Just today's just bizarre, unfortunate, tribalistic-like society we live in, what happens when Joe Blow's senator's son or daughter gets some wacky deferment and 24-hour news cycles and cameras everywhere and, it's kind of like, you know, be careful what you wish for. this just not a good idea for so many things going on with our society that, Jeff, I, th- I mean, your last topic was just right on cue. Our society needs some repair work.
1: Got it. Well, and thanks for the call, Scott. The no, Scott, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but I guess part of I, – I, I guess I wonder if – some form of of mandatory public service like that might take a couple steps towards that that repair work that 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 we have. I mean it just by saying, okay, this is the expectation that, that people are, are going to have and the expectation is that as a condition of, of your citizenship and all the things that we get to enjoy in this country, this is this is one of the things that is expected, you know, Expected to um, do that, Jeff. How about we send able-bodied criminals into the military instead of prison? Might be good rehabilitation. Well, well, well. well no, I, I don't. I don't want the guy that that held up the armed car carrier uh, tomorrow yesterday. Oh, we're here we're gonna, we're going to put them in the military. You know, back in the back in the '60s, there was kind of that option that was out there. It was like okay, and in the '50s too. Sometimes these judges would have the, these kids, young people who were looking like juvenile delinquents, and it would be, okay, here's the deal, you can either go to county jail or you can go into the military, I, I, but, but I think you know at the same time, you have to have standards, Let, let's, let's understand this, Jeff, I think it would be a great idea, it might help the younger generation appreciate the freedoms that their grandfathers and grandmothers fought and gave their lives for. Jeff, yes, but only 11% are fit for service, so you'd have to have a civil service corporation um, to deal with the people who could not cut it in the military. Well, I think that's... Jeff, I think the draft might be good for the people who think this country isn't any good. Uh, maybe they would leave, and then they'd realize how good the country really is. Jeff, I would you have a draft for both men and women? All right, that's a very, very interesting question, and I'd have to think it through, Let, I, because... In most countries that still have the draft, women are not subject to it. There are exceptions. In Israel, there is an expectation that women will will be in the military for two years. Um Norway, I was talking about Norway earlier. They I, I'm pretty sure they draft women. As a general rule, women are exempt from that. But I think that's the I think that's kind of the issue. Tim and Sean O. Tim, you're on WTMJ.
3: Yes, hey, thanks a lot for taking my call. So I was sure. in the military for 20 years. Uh, I retired just a little while ago, and I, I've seen the negative effects of what happens when, you know, the judge says to the guy, hey, you got to go in the military or, you know, I'm going to throw you in jail. Um, I do not think a mandatory draft is appropriate. I think at that point you're dealing with quantity over quality. Um, however, I do agree with you that, you know, maybe we tailor the draft to some form of civil service, right? Make Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, make these people understand that, you know, when you're 18, you know, there's a service component to being a citizen, right? And uh, I think, I really do think that's kind of the way to go versus a mandatory military service.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, so not not everybody, and especially since we're not, we're in a, a peacetime environment, so it's not like you're drafting people and trying to teach them how to be combat infantrymen. We're drafting people and uh-uh. teaching them how to be on nuclear submarines and you know, know how to do those. You know, that's, it's a different time now than it was 50 years ago.
3: You no, know, I, I, I do agree. It is a different time than it was 50 years ago. But I do think, too, that there is a, you know, if you ask the average, like, high school senior, hey, what do you think about military service? There is still, a like, a stigma there that, oh, oh, yeah. oh, the military, no, that's not for me, right? But you're right. We're not, you know, a lot of the skill sets that the military has right now, the bulk majority of them are extremely technical in nature and apply right. directly to civilian, you know, uh, components oh. as well.
1: Absolutely. Hey, thanks for the perspective, Tim, and thanks for the service. Let's take a quick break. So very glad to have you with us. All right, they always say that a broken clock is right twice a day. Right? It's going to be right twice a day, and that's that's something you always need to keep in mind because it's rare that you have you know anybody who's wrong all the time. And then, so most people, again, most people, you stumble into being right just by pure accident. And that's true of most people, but it's not true of Milwaukee alderman Bob Wrongway Bauman. If you ever want to figure out where you should be on a Milwaukee issue, find out where Bauman is. Go the other way. And I can guarantee you 99.9% of the time, you will be correct. And there's another example of that in the news this week. Now, they announced over the objections of Bob Bauman, that the Milwaukee Marathon is going to be returning to the community. Now, I I say marathon, you know, short, you know, kind of in in quotation marks, because a marathon is 26.2 miles. You will recall the Milwaukee Marathon, which was staged for at least a handful of years up until the the pandemic hit, it kind of had problems because they, they couldn't get the 26.2-mile distance right. You remember one year they had it, and it was too long, and another year they had it, and it was too short, and there all these questions about, you know, what, what's going on with the organizers and how can't we, why can't we do it? And then there was issues about the 26-mile thing, and the concerns were, well, you know, we'd have to close down these roads or do these different things. So anyhow, the Milwaukee Marathon has been kind of on, on ice for the last several years. Well there's this outfit called Ventures Endurance and Ventures Endurance Endurance by the way just full disclosure they are like a subsidiary of Gannett newspapers which are is the the company that's kind of running newspapers into the ground all across the country including the, the Journal Sentinel. So this is this is kind of one of their agencies. They want to bring the Milwaukee Marathon back but not as as a marathon. Runners, we're going to have two options. The idea is you can do a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, or you can do a 5K, which is, um, 3.1 miles. And the course is going to start at Pfizer Forum. It's going to run through downtown. It's going to take the, um, lakefront north to the east side, and then it's going to uh, double back. If you run the 13 mile marathon, several mini marathon, um, several of the miles are set to take place on the Oak Creek Oakleaf Trail. Uh, the race is scheduled for for March 26th. So that that's the idea. And these organizers say, "Hey, I think this is fun? This is good. It's good for the community." Bauman. Bauman is opposed to it and has been fighting it. He says, this is his take on this, he says, a for-profit, out-of-state company wants to come to town, disrupt our city streets, disrupt our neighborhoods, create a lot of angry people who can't get out of their parking lots of their apartment buildings. We field the angry calls. They walk away with money in their pocket. This would be from entrance fees. And the shareholders are happy. We bear the brunt of it. Bauman also has concerns that, and I, I'm, I'm saying this with a straight face because apparently he does, does that this this mini-marathon that's going to take a few hours or whatever is going to impact the hop streetcar system, which would see its route cut in half for several hours. This, of course, is that same hop streetcar system where you have air trolley after air trolley after air trolley, you know, running through the streets of Milwaukee. And Bauman is concerned that, oh, for a couple hours while we're running this marathon, that that the hop can't run its full two-mile um, radius, so we might inconvenience what maybe the the ten people who might want to run on it. Bauman also says that this... This doesn't do anything for the economy of the city. The city of Milwaukee doesn't get one nickel from the, the revenue that this brings in um, because there's not a sales tax or hotel tax for the city. Everybody makes money here but the city of Milwaukee. They estimate that um, about 3,000 people will participate in the quote-unquote Milwaukee semi-marathon this year. Um, Back in 2019, the last year they had it, the race drew about 10,000 people with approximately 4,000 coming from outside the region. I am not a runner. I will not be participating in the 5K. I will not be participating in the half marathon. But at the same time, I, I guess my question is, why wouldn't we? open up the city streets to something like this for like a, a one-day event or actually probably, you know, really like kind of like a one-morning event. And if you can attract several thousand people to participate, this idea that, well, we don't benefit at all is just absolutely ridiculous to me because the people, assuming, uh, let's assume that 40% of the people that participate in this race come from, Outside the area they're going to be staying at hotels. They're going to be going to the bars. They're going to be going to the restaurants. This idea that bringing several thousand people in to participate in something like this doesn't benefit the overall city. I think is absolutely ridiculous. So let's tee this up our number 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Would it make any sense in the world? To say no, we're not going to allow this Milwaukee Marathon to operate because, gee, we have to block off some city streets for the hand- for a handful of hours, you know, one day in-, in March. I think it's gonna be a Saturday in March. eight five five six one six one six twenty That's the old National Bank Talk and Text line. And for those of you, look, and I, I understand that past organizers have had issues with this event. How how can you how can you get the distance wrong? I mean, I, I think that's a fair question, but This seems to me to be one of these positive activities that has the potential at a really very low cost to the city of Milwaukee to bring people in. It's an activity that I think is positive. People like this sort of stuff. Why in the world wouldn't we do it? 855 616 1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the old national bank talk and text line. All right, so one of the downtown Milwaukee Alderman, Bob Bauman, who we call him wrong way, Bob, he he's always wrong. He's fighting to try to kill this New version of the Milwaukee Marathon, which actually isn't going to be a marathon this year. They're going to roll it out on March 26th. I said that was a Saturday. It's actually Sunday, and that might be relevant in just a minute as well. Uh, They're going to roll it out on March 26th. He's opposing it, saying, hey, the the city of Milwaukee gets absolutely nothing out of this. We don't have a a hotel tax, so what do we care if thousands of people come in to participate in this? I'm thinking this is just flat-out crazy uh, Jeff, Bauman gets pressure from business owners negatively impacted by the street closure. Okay, that, again, this is a Sunday morning. It is a Sunday morning in late March. How how many businesses are going to be open on a Sunday morning in downtown Milwaukee in late March? Actually, this benefits the businesses because you're going to have people that are going to be coming in presumably the day before, maybe the Friday before, they're going to be patronizing the restaurants, you know, maybe they're going to be leaving after the race, but you know, chances are maybe some of them are going to stick around and be eating and having a couple beers or whatever. Plus, I mean, these marathons are just you know, candidly, it, it's one of these examples where it, it's it, it's not an expensive thing. You don't have to have this huge infrastructure that's um, there. Jeff, the alderman is an idiot. 3,000-plus people will be coming to Milwaukee. They need hotels, a place to eat and drink. Yeah, I I think that's it. Jeff, I'd like to ask him how much money Milwaukee will lose by shortening the hop route for a few hours. Well, I can guarantee you the answer is nothing because it doesn't cost anything to ride the hop because if we charged even a quarter – Almost nobody would ride the hop. Jeff, I think we should host City Streets Marathon again. I think local officials fear the danger. Ever since the Waukesha Parade tragedy, they don't have the manpower to safely secure and patrol a marathon course. Nobody's talking about that. I mean, I think... At least as far as I can tell, there's nobody that's saying, gee, you know, we have concerns about public safety. And if they were, I guess my concern would be you have this freak one off thing with this hardened criminal Daryl Brooks. There's no way in the world. That we should allow the fact that this one guy did this one thing to stop us from having 4th of July parades or, you know, having bike races or having mini marathons or whatever. Jeff, bogus Bob strikes again. The event will help downtown hotels and restaurants. Yeah, I I, I think so, I, exactly. Jeff, why not bring people here when the weather is nicer and the city is actually attractive? Don't you consider that in late March it could be 30 degrees with snow on the ground? I don't know why the organizers selected you know March 26th. I, I don't know why they're doing it in March. Later on in the summer, maybe it gets a little bit more problematic with some of the other activities that we have. And there is also there's the lakefront marathon that they, they have later on. So... I mean, I don't know what's what's magic about the twenty sixth. I understand also that you know you you run the risk of you know dealing with some some bad weather, but to me, that that's not what the real issue is. If the organizers want to do it on on the twenty sixth. Why wouldn't we give them the chance to do it? And look, and I understand that this has been a troubled event in the past. I, I get it, and I, I remember I'm one of those guys that was talking about, you know, how can you how can you lay out a marathon course two years in a row and a row, and one year it's too long, and the other year is too short? It it shouldn't. It shouldn't take rocket science to figure out what the course is and how you get the proper length. But just because you know they screwed up in the past, to me that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have an opportunity to do that. Jeff, I have traveled extensively for marathons. I spent money like crazy in those other cities, and it's made me want to go back. Yeah, see, that's I mean that's the that's the other thing that, that's there that's one of the all right like you're going to have the Republican National Convention that's going to be in Milwaukee in the the summer of 2024 right okay well th- there's a couple advantages that come from this first is yes you you get the you get the bump that happens when people come in for the convention but you know what there's going to be a certain percentage, and depending on you know what happens at the convention and you know what Milwaukee is, is able to do, but there's going to be a certain percentage of those people who, who come to this convention or come to other conventions as well who go, hey, I had a, a really good time. This is a community that I, I might never have really come to were it not for the attraction of the marathon, the Republican National Convention or whatever. But you know what? I've heard about these things. I went to a couple of nice restaurants. I want to come back. So, you know, maybe... Maybe we'll take a vacation here or something that's That's the whole idea of trying to get people in the in people in the door what have people having fun and trying to stay healthy? Well we can't have that in Milwaukee um yes. Yeah, don't think the runners will hit the Water Street bars afterwards, right? I think that's a sarcastic note. Of course, of course they're going to do that, and of course, you know, the maybe not everybody that comes in are going to be the runners. I mean, maybe maybe your spouse is a runner, and you wouldn't dream of of running in the marathon. But hey, this is what I'm going to do this weekend. So great, honey. You know, we'll go to wherever the mar- mini marathon is, and yeah, we'll stay in the hotel, and I'll go out and cheer you on. But yeah, it, it's it brings people in. And if you have an opportunity to do things like this, this is the stuff that makes cities more livable. And the idea that, well, we might have to not let the hop run as far on a Sunday morning when my guess is it would be interesting to kind of see, OK, how many people on a typical March Sunday morning are riding the hop? What would you guess? Five, 10, 20? I don't know. Fifty? No, there couldn't be 50 people that would ride that. 20 on a Sunday morning? Maybe, probably not. But no, 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 we can't have the marathon because some of those 20 people might not be able to get their full ride. Go figure. Welcome back. So very glad to have you with us. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I, I guess I am glad to know. I will sleep better at night Knowing that our not-so-long national nightmare is coming to an end. Yes, ABC has decided how to handle the scandal involving the co-hosts of Good Morning America's Third Hour. Remember the story when it when it broke? You had the, the two co-hosts, TJ Holmes and Amy Robach. Remember the story came out a, a while back? Um, they were both married to other people and, and the timing of this as often happens in affairs of the heart gets a little bit murky but they were both married to other people and they started having an affair uh, the there's again it, it's it's unclear about whether they were separated before or after this became public but um, they you know they were having an affair the affair became public and ABC became very upset with this. Um, and, and I don't know if ABC, because originally they said, well, they, they haven't violated any of our internal rules because n- neither one of them was a supervisor of the other. So, you know, they, they a lot of these companies have those rules. But ABC originally said, oh, no, there's there, there's no problem with this. But anyways, they got a bunch of blowback because there were. I mean some people who thought that this was inappropriate that you have these two hosts who are married to other people and they end up having this affair. So they were suspended taken off the air after, you know, this this relationship made headlines in November of 2022. So it's been going on for, you know, a couple months now. Um, ABC began to do this investigation, and during the investigation, the couple continued to see each other, etc. Now they're, I think, both separated from their former spouses, maybe divorced, whatever. But it's, it's been this ongoing matter. I think most people thought, you know, it's not going to make any difference. Is, is this? Would you not watch the third hour of Good Morning America because of this? Well, obviously, ABC came to the conclusion that it was a big deal because the report today is the nightmare is over. And both of them, TJ Holmes and Amy Robach, they're out. They're gone. They are history out at NBC after what is being described as a scandalous affair. I'm not sure too many Good Morning America three viewers would have cared one way or the other. But ABC thinks that they are and will. And so the couple is gone. There's apparently going to be a big dollar settlement that we pay to them. So don't worry. You're not going to have to have any tag sales for them. When we come back, a great third hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Annex Wealth
0: Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now,
1: here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Johnson, welcome back to the show. As Connie was mentioning, the, the roads are a mess right now, and we'll continue to keep you updated all afternoon. Multiple vehicle crash, northbound I-94-41 at highway, County Highway ML in Kenosha County. Um, massive traffic Backups near Wisconsin 165. All lanes are blocked. Um, I think what what you're seeing is. You've got, you've got the ground blizzards that are going on. You've got like these snow burst, Roads are slippery. You've got these snowbursts that are happening and you end up with a whiteout. Um, same thing is true looking at a story out of Janesville, which I know is out of our listening area, but it, it's the same sort of thing to give you an idea of what's going on. Rock County Sheriff's Office investigating a massive multi-vehicle crash. Uh, that happened about an hour ago. Dozens of vehicles involved. Um, I 3990 completely closed between Janesville and Beloit. And because of the pileup, apparently, um, what happened, they think it might be as many as 20 to 50 vehicles that were involved. Again, I think a total. A total whiteout uh, snow which has been around you know all day continues to fall and then you get the breeze the blowing and it ends up being a total whiteout and you can't see i i can relate to this the only time in my life and i've told this story before but the only time in my life that i ever 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 put a car in a ditch was in in a whiteout and it was like that and i, I remember i'm driving I am driving in South Dakota. I'm driving from Vermilion, South Dakota, which is where the University of South Dakota was, going south to Sioux City, Iowa, and it was I don't know, it was just starting to get dark, but there there wasn't that much snow on the ground, but there was forty mile an hour winds that was that were whipping it. And I'm driving southbound on the freeway and the wind is coming from the west and moving towards the east. And it's just blowing. It wasn't a great amount of snow, but you just flat could not see. And so I had latched onto a a truck. There was a truck in front of me. I could see the truck's headlights. I was following the truck. Truck drove into the ditch. Jeff, drives into the ditch and then you kind of look around and you feel like you're a complete idiot because well there, there's really not that much snow on the ground and I don't know if it was slippery or not it's just you could not flat see so we'll continue to keep you updated about what's going on on the roadways and all but um you know be be careful because it's that that visibility that becomes just a huge issue okay it's, it's going to take me just a second to get into this but at, at the end of the day. The the bottom line is, how my question is, if you are a sports fan, how important are televised games to you? Uh, I don't know if you've been following this story, but let me kind of back up. Um, for example, for the Milwaukee Brewers, the deal is we at Good Karma Brands, WTMJ, we, we pay a rights fee to the Brewers at the beginning of every year. In exchange for that rights fee, we get the rights to carry the the Brewers games. And that's why, you know, this season you're going to hear 162 Brewers games. Now, there might be an occasional game or two where we have to, you know, because of a conflict, we have to move it off to the FM, our FM counterparts on ESPN. But, but we're, you are going to be able to hear a local radio broadcast of all the games. Uh, TV is a little bit more. Difficult, And many of you, I think, have, have grappled with this, and I know several of my friends have, have grappled with this. The rights fees, the, the rights to carry baseball games are, are held by, as a general rule, Sinclair Broadcasting. Sinclair Broadcasting picked up the rights to a number of different what they call regional sports networks um, a couple years ago. And Sinclair Broadcasting, which is a big TV company, they then created this subsidiary called Diamond Sports Group. And Diamond Sports Group runs these different regional sports networks. And they run them under the title of Bally Sports. So, for example, in Wisconsin, if you want to watch the Bucks or the Brewers games, you, you have to have access to Bally's sports. And, and they carry those games. Well, here's the deal. Um, the reports are is that Diamond Sports Groups, Bally Sports, is headed for bankruptcy. The word is that in mid-February, they've got a $140 million interest payment that's due, and they're probably not going to make it, uh, make that interest payment. And so after that, it kick-starts this timing, and the concern is that this company is going to go to bankruptcy, into bankruptcy. And that means... The broadcasting payments, the rights fees um that those could be in jeopardy, and it might be that they 're not in a position to for example, you know pay the brewers what the brewers are owed for the rights to carry the games now, part of the problem with this has been the between people cutting the cord from cable and things like that and Cutbacks in the amount of revenue that these regional sports networks Bally sports can get from traditional cable providers and from advertisers they 're losing a ton of money, so the, what they have to pay in rights fees is a lot more than what they're they 're bringing in, so you know that 's creating a, a huge problem with these small market situations. And that's one of the reasons why, as they look at the model moving forward, like right now about 90% of the Brewers games are, are on Bally Sports. So if you figure out a way to get on to Valley Sports and you have Bally Sports, well, okay, then, then you're going to be able to see about 90% of the games, and then there might be one-off games on like YouTube or Apple TV or something like that. But the economics of the industry are such that they, they really don't make – It doesn't make enough sense. That is, these regional sports networks aren't able to get enough money in to cover their various costs, which is a problem. And then what's been happening with fans, and you might know this, is that streaming services like like YouTube TV or Hulu Plus Live have dropped some of these regional sports networks from their lineups, meaning that if you get TV through YouTube Plus or Hulu Plus, you're, you're no longer able to see the Bucks games or the Brewers games. So what you have to do is you have to do something, you know, separate and and get, you know, buy a separate app. So these are all problems. And it, the reality of this is that the whole way we watch baseball games and basketball games in the future, I, I think is probably gonna have to change because the economics are such that You know, you can't just run uh, one network buying the rights to 90 percent of the games. It just it doesn't make any fiscal sense anymore. The other problem that occurs is that a lot of people say that one of the reasons why they don't go to as many games, maybe one of the reasons why attendance at the Brewers games were off last year is because people say, hey, I, I can't watch games. And it, it might not. It, it might not make any sense. But they say, "Hey, I can't watch the games on television." You know, I, I used to get them through. Um, I used to get them through Hulu Plus or whatever. I'm not able to see the games on TV, so I'm less likely to go to the, the games in person. Which is, I mean, kind of one of the arguments that's out there. Our number eight five five six one six. One six twenty, which is the old National Bank Talk and Text line. Now again, none of this affects radio. You know, you tune into WTMJ, or in a rare case, ESPN, our ESPN sister station. You're going to hear the baseball game. You're going to hear Bob Euchre. You're going to hear Jeff Levering. You're going to get that that coverage. But from the perspective of TV, it's more of a catch as catch can thing. And and I don't know when they're talking about this bankruptcy. It's it's not like it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. But it is three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now. It's very, very much up in the air. Here is my question. How important is it to you to be able to watch games, whether it's baseball or basketball or whatever, on local TV? How important is it for you to be able to see the Bucks games on Bally on Sports, to see the, the Brewers games on Bally Sports. And if, if you can't do that, is that going to impact on your interest as a fan? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is? The old National Bank talk and text line. I, I understand that it, it, it's gotten complicated, but but here's the deal. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I like having the local access to the local sports. So one of the reasons, I mean, I have Spectrum Cable. I have their sports package, so I, I get Bally's. But the Bally's, at least its parent company, is apparently looking at bankruptcy because these regional sports networks cost more than they're taking in. And so there's a real question about what's going to happen moving forward when it comes to your ability to to watch your local teams on TV. It's not happening today. It's not happening tomorrow. But if these regional sports networks declare bankruptcy and they stop making their rights payments to the different teams, well, then you're going to have to figure out what the new model is. I think that that would be a heck of a loss, but I mean, it, it's, it's this cycle that's getting worse and worse because like if you were, if you had cut the cord a number of years ago and you had YouTube TV or Hulu, Hulu live, they stopped carrying all the regional sports networks prior to the 2020 season. So that meant if you were a cord cutter, you had to either go back to cable or satellite. Bally Sports began offering a, an app that you could pay for in the middle of the 2022 season, but my understanding is that's a relatively expensive way to go. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ.
3: Jeff, thanks for letting me vent. Um, This is getting frustrating, and, and it is affecting my enthusiasm for both the Bucks and the Brewers because for the most... Um, for economic reasons, I have YouTube television and I have the Bally Sports app on my smart TV. And the Bally Sports app it has a lot of technical problems with like video and audio, like syncing. And, and there are times when I actually feel like I'm watching an old Kung Fu movie when I'm trying to watch the Bucks game. And I don't buy it. I suspect that these teams do have input in into which cable services can and cannot offer the broadcast and it is starting to tick me off and I am becoming less interested in both the Bucks and the Brewers.
1: Jeff, thanks to the call. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I the, the way it, the way it works is the, the, the teams negotiate in this case, the rights fees with the regional sports network. Then the regional sports network, Bally sports goes out and, and then they end up trying to, to make, they end up making, you know, deals and for, Whatever reason, whether they're asking for too much money, or for the case of like YouTube TV or Hulu Live or whatever, they they say, okay, well, you know, you're asking too much money. We don't think that the rights fees are that important, so we don't we don't we're not going to pay it. Well, then, I mean, it it, again, it's a free market, and you have that give and take that's out there. But at some point in time, it it looks to me like this model. Just is not financially viable anymore. Where you have one one provider that carries all the games, I, I think the future is looking more and more likely that it's going to be split up over a, a number of different platforms that, that are going to be out there. And then you know you're gonna it's gonna and, and that's going to be even tougher because it's going to be catch as catch can. Oh, today's on. I mean, I don't know about you, but like during the summer, there will be games that, again, are on Apple TV Plus or whatever. And I, and I have those games, but it's kind of like, hey, there, there's an early afternoon game. I'm off of work. I want to go home and watch it. You want to turn on the television? No, it's not that. I got to remember. I got to go stream it on Apple TV Plus or or whatever. And it makes it harder to find. Uh, let's talk to, um. let's see, Diane in Union Grove. Diane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, My husband watches the game, um, you know, frequently, but um, what really would be impacting my brother-in-law, who is handicapped, he is uh, mentally handicapped, and he is unable to drive, and he meets up with an elderly neighbor who has medical conditions, and every single game they get together and they watch the game all summer. And, uh, you know, something like this will just kind of blow up their whole summer. They are. Yeah. My brother-in-law is already making plans for this summer, and uh, so that will be um, a great loss for both of those gentlemen.
1: Yeah, Diane, thanks for the call. I, I don't. Even if this happens, I, I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen to effect like this. Brewer season. that would be my best guess because you know bankruptcy proceedings take a while. If this is the route that that it goes, but this is this is more a conversation for the future. A uh, Kenan Greenfield says, "Jeff, this is an uneducated question. Why aren't the local brewers' games on a local television channel?" No, that's not an uneducated question at all. I'll, I'll give you. I mean, I'm I'm not the guy that's in the room negotiating this, but the the answer is I, I think that the local TV channels. Can't make money doing it. I mean, see, it, you know, again, the, the deal is you pay, in this case, the brewers a fee, X amount of money for the rights to carry the games. And then you go out and then you sell advertising and things like that. And I I think what's happened is whether it's an increase in rights fees, and it's not just the brewers, it's all across all these sports networks, but the amount of money that, and that's what's happening with these regional sports networks, that the amount of money that they're having to shell out to get the rights fees and then to put on the games or whatever, that doesn't cover um, the, the amount of money that they're bringing in from the subscriptions or whatever isn't enough and advertising isn't enough to cover the costs. And I would imagine that if, if these local regional sports networks are having that problem, it would be a problem like with on steroids for the local TV stations. I mean, I remember the days where, you know, it used to be the games were on what channel 18 or channel 24, whatever that was. I think those days are, are in the past and you gotta wonder what the, You know, what is the market going to be moving forward? Now, my comment to our Diane is, well, okay, if they're not on TV, we're we're here for you because you can always listen to them on radio. One more quick call. Jim in Germantown. Jim, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hey, thanks for taking my call. It's a great uh, subject you brought up. We were talking uh, about this on our uh, at the water cooler at work and wondering why. More games weren't on television, and how MLB could do a better job of getting this out to the broader uh, public. Because, yeah, if you don't have it on television and you can only listen to it on the radio or select games, you're drawing less fans overall in general. So I think it hurts MLB in general.
1: Yeah, no, I no th- thanks for calling Jim. I I think you're I think you're right, and that that might be. I mean I, I that that might be the future that you see especially for these TV rights more of the stuff get gets taken in in house the problem though with baseball is is there been Look, it, the New York Yankees might be a different sort of story, but for small or medium-sized markets trying to put together their own networks, a lot of times is very, very challenging because there's all that those costs that go into to that, and then you've still got the idea of you have to you have to figure out some way to sell it. I I don't it, I don't know what I don't know what sports is going to look like over the course of, of the next five or ten or fifteen years. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think for For like local home team coverage, I think it's going to look dramatically different on television than it does now. And right now it looks different than it did 20 years ago. I think the next 10 years it's going to look markedly different. And I think one of the answers is going to be, again, more people are going to have to be paying for it if you want it. The question is, how can the people who put it out, the providers, how can they make money?
0: Gather round all, it's time for Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Time to put aside the heavy lifting and have a good time at the Old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. Now, here's Jeff Wagner.
1: And, of course, Pop Culture Corner is brought to you every week by Palermo's Pizza Hey, it's January. What better way to celebrate winter than with Palermo's delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. And as a sponsor for Pop Culture Corner, we have a giveaway. My producer, Charlie, exclusively in his discretion. One caller will win our Palermo's pizza prize package, which is good for a coupon for two Palermo's pizzas. Uh, by the way, try the deep dish pizza. I'm not sure if that's covered by the coupon or not, but the deep dish pizza is great. Um, two... Palermo's Pizzas, a really cool Palermo's Pizza Cutter, and this is the only way you can get it, at least through WTMJ. I haven't been able to figure out how to get it, and a bunch of other fun stuff as well, exclusively in the discretion of my producer, Charlie. Okay, I have been experiencing a little bit of frustration in the world of entertainment because there is so much... Good TV on that. I do not know where to start. So I've been watching a number of these TV shows. For example, that I heard about. I just got done. Uh, I just got done watching the first season of Mayor of Kingstown which um is it's set it's a, it's a guy who you know has contacts in a prison and things like that uh by, and it's the lead actor is the uh guy who plays Hawkeye who is just the Jeremy Renner and I, I the second season just started I just got done watching the the first season that was okay I just got done binge watching um The Godfather of Harlem which is stars Forrest Whitaker the Academy Award winning performer and and he plays uh, a real life. It's it's a fictional thing based on a real life character. Bunky Johnson. He plays. um The third season just dropped, but I watched the first two seasons. So that's what I've been watching. I'm getting ready to. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm gonna. I'm thinking. I haven't seen. I watched the first year of Ozark, and I know people love Ozark. So I'm thinking I'm going to go back, and my next project will be to work through that those four seasons of, of Ozark on Netflix. But for pop culture corner this week. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the old National Bank talk and text line. Here is my question. What's the best thing that you have seen on TV in the last year? And it can be an over-the-broadcast show show. Or series. It could be something that you're streaming. It could be reruns that, that you've watched. I mean if it's forty years ago or fifty years ago and you're like, well boy, I still love Gilligan's Island. That's the best thing I've seen. That's okay. The best thing that you have seen, whether it's the best series, the best one time show, the best thing that you have seen on television is in the last year 855-616-1620 let me take a quick break let charlie line up the calls we will be back to discuss in just a moment it's pop culture time now back to take your calls here's jeff wagner and of course pop culture corner presented by our friends at palermo's pizza the best thing you've seen on tv in the last year let's start with um let's start with douglas in muskego douglas you're on wtmj Hi Jeff. Hi Douglas. Best thing you've seen? I, I believe it's Yellowstone, eighteen
3: eighty three. It's the beginning of the of the Yellowstone series. It's with uh, what? Uh, Tim Gron, Faith.
1: Right. And is that just, is, is that is that the one with Harrison no. Ford, or is is Harrison Ford in that no, one, or is no. he in the nineteen? He's in the nineteen twenty three show, or whatever that is. Okay,
3: three one. Yeah, I'm watching yeah. that too, but it's 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 how it starts it's that their daughter is narrating it and she ends up in right. yeah end. i'm sorry i'm giving it to the
1: people well but no it's tastefully done got it no it no i think thanks for the call steve i i know people there, there's yellowstone which is the current time with Kevin Costner, and then you're right, that the 1880-whatever one, which that was a limited series that ran like 10, and now they're, they're rolling out the other one with Harrison Ford, which is, uh, what, 1923 or whatever that is. They're, they're really, and they're, I mean, Yellowstone has become such a phenomena, they're just, they're in a hurry to try to make as many of these as they can, but people just absolutely love them. Um let's talk to let's see we've got uh we've got uh, Kathy O'Connor. Kathy you're on WTMJ. Hello. Well, hello there, Jeff. My um my favorite show
3: right now is Tulsa King with Sylvester Stallone. So,
1: right, where he plays I I that's on Paramount Plus, right? I I've watched I watched the that's first on couple. I yeah. yeah, he plays a a, a, a mob guy who got, did like 25 years in prison, got released, and then they send him to Tulsa. And I, I watched the first two episodes. I was kind of hot or cold on that. You really like it. It's worth sticking with it, huh?
3: I I really like it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he, they, you know, the gangster from New York sent him to Tulsa and right. he's like making it go as like being a gangster and <laughs> Pulsa, so I, I'm. Yeah, and plus okay. he has to go through the whole thing of being he getting out of prison after 25 years and having to right.
2: deal with um, everything right. that uh, has changed over the years. So
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, um, thanks for calling, Kevin. I No, I no, I like I, I watched the I watched the first two episodes and see that's the thing. Some of the things you need to watch for a little while. Um, and I, I watched them, and then I, I it I wasn't sure it was holding my interest, but I I just I, it sounded like a really really interesting premise. Uh, let's talk to Steve in Oconomowoc. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. mine was
2: 1883. Also, that with okay. Sam Elliott. He's one of my favorite all time actors.
1: Right. Right, you know, I I watched the I, I'm that's on my list. I've, I've watched the first couple of them. Um, it, it, it's, in some ways, it, it kind of reminded me of Lonesome Dove. Do you ever see Lonesome Dove? You know that show where they they're, they're yeah, going on the cattle I, drive to Montana. I, it was it was at least reminiscent of that. I kind of thought.
2: Yeah, I'm a big Western fan, and you're right. It's a lot like that, and I think that's what drew me to it. And it's a standalone show. I mean, eighteen eighty can stand on its so own. You don't have to know anything about. Right. The, you know, the modern day Yellowstone version at all,
1: right? Right. No, thanks for the call, Steve. I, I think that's it. I mean, actually, that was kind of what my thought was because I, I, I confess, I haven't seen Yellowstone, and I know, I, I know everybody else has, and that's kind of on my list. But I thought, okay, maybe I'll work my way through eighteen eighty three, and then do the nineteen whatever, and then like pick up the current one. Cheryl in New Berlin. Cheryl, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
2: Oh, good afternoon, Jeff. My favorite this year was uh, the season five of The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu.
1: What What was the name of uh, Elizabeth Moss? Is she 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 was in The West Wing. She's the the one who, who stars in that, right?
2: Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Uh. It's very intense, but it's very intriguing.
1: Yeah. It's one, that's one, I, again, that's, I haven't seen it, that's one it sounds like to me you really need, if you're going to binge watch, you. It, it's tough to pick up in the middle. You really need to start at the beginning to be to, to do it fairly, correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. You have to start at the beginning, yes. Yeah. And I believe the last season is coming up um, in 23, and I, I can't wait to see how it <laughs> okay. ends. It's based go. on a book, I could read the right. book, but I have not. <laughs>
1: right? No, I get it, Thank- Cheryl. Thanks for the call. No, I, I, people, people love it. It's 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 set in this dystopian future universe where you know women are essentially treated as chattel and and things like that. And I just, I it sounds like an interesting premise. I haven't seen it. Steve in Genesee. Steve, you're on WTMJ.
2: Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. How's hey, it to be today?
1: I am very well, thank so, you. Well, Looking forward to the weekend.
2: Uh, same. So my new favorite is uh, is uh, Slow Horses, and it's, right. it's a phenomenal U- U.K.-based. Uh, it's up to two seasons right now, and it, it is just
1: phenomenal. Yeah, that's on Apple TV, right? Yeah, correct, correct, correct. Hey, did you get here, a chance to? i go, go ahead. No I was gonna say nice with, with slow horses list too uh no I haven't seen that but let's talk about slow horses for a minute i um yeah okay i, I uh that's it, a series of books and there, there's slow horses is the first one and there's like four or five and I started reading Slow Horses last year in Florida. I got three-quarters of the way finished through it, and I've lost the book. I don't know where the, the book is. And I, I, I typically I, – I, I got three-quarters of the way through it. And typically, I, I like to read the books before I see you know the, the productions, the films, or the, the TV shows, because otherwise – I mean, I have my own images to what the characters look like. But I've lost the book. Everybody raves about Slow Horses. And the whole premise is these are spies that have have all screwed up somewhere. So they're in like the slow house, right? Yes. It's it's kind of like you know you're yes. you're in the yes. the dunge thing, but the 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 show is really good. The book was really good. It, it, so the show is good too.
2: Yes, phenomenal. It's got the maybe I'm not saying it right. Is it the colloquialisms of the language or Colloquial. whatever? It's,
1: it's yeah, different. yeah, right. No, exactly. I've heard nothing but good things, and I like the book. And Steve, obviously you've hit a nerve with my producer, Charlie, because you are the winner this week of our Palermo's Pizza Prize Package. So thanks for listening, and enjoy a couple pizzas on us. I appreciate
2: it. Have a good weekend.
1: Yeah, you as well. Okay, let me get to the text line before we run out of time. Uh, Euphoria, hands down, haven't seen Euphoria. It's, check the backstory on it. It's based on an Israeli TV series. Your Honor with Brian Cranston just started season two. I had dinner Saturday night with some people who just were raving about Your Honor. Jeff, I'm a big fan of the Yellowstone series, but I really love the Your Honor show as well. Jeff, um, only Murders in the Building, that's uh, that's Steve Martin's The Patient and the Bear. That's on Hulu. I watched The Bear. That's very good. It's got the guy who was in, um, oh, the thing on Showtime. I'm drawing a blank now. Jeff Dexter, New Blood is great. Jeff Bosch, that's based on a series of books by the same lawyer, Michael Connolly, who wrote the uh, Lincoln Lawyer books. White Lotus, I, I just, that's HBO. I haven't seen that yet, but people love it um jeff american autos hilarious you've got to check it out jeff the mini series queen's gambit was outstanding yeah i watched it as well jeff for me it's yellowstone best streaming i show i've ever seen that includes breaking bad and the wire ooh that's pretty that's that's big uh thing jeff obi-wan kenobi um that's of course on uh, the uh disney plus i think right uh best show i've watched in the last year is the offer it's the story of making the godfather that is on paramount yeah i i i've got paramount plus um and so that's on my list of things that i um that's the uh, things that I want. You know, one of the things that I I'm, I want to watch as well, and this is one. My wife and I try to find stuff we can watch together, but we have materially different tastes. But it, it's just dropped. It's on Peacock. It's called Poker Face, and everything I read about it's getting rave reviews. And it's uh, again, they say it's it's a throwback to the old. Murder, She Wrote, and Columbo Days, and things like that. So that's actually, we might try to watch a show, if we can carve out some time together, we might try to watch one of those shows maybe tonight or tomorrow night or something like that. Okay, uh, we could go on for another half hour, but I am out of time. Thank you for participating in Pop Culture Corner. Thanks for all the calls. Thanks for all the texts.